In each of our lives, there have been events or circumstances that have transformed us and defined who we are. Bob Dale, who has spoken here, and others call these defining moments. And Bob's comments at a recent seminar made me think of a young man whom I'll call Ted, because that was his name. As some of you know, my husband Brian and I dated in college and then broke up for nine years and then got back together. Well, between the Bryans, there was Ted. Ted and I had been in the same missionary group for the two years that I was in West Africa. He was in Japan. It was at our debriefing conference that our antenna were sort of drawn toward each other. And we began to talk on the phone between Louisiana and Virginia and then to make plans to see each other. Ted drove to Virginia for a wonderful week. Two months later, I took a 23-hour train ride to visit him in Louisiana. Eventually, he said if he hadn't already signed a teaching contact contract in Baton Rouge, he would move to Virginia. Well, I thought, <laughs> whew. But then I thought, well, if he would be willing to move where I am, then maybe I should think about moving to where he is. And so we did. We began this pursuit together. He sent me the classified ads and arranged for me to stay with some friends in Baton Rouge while I looked for an apartment. The defining moment, though, came the day before I was going to pack my Mazda and drive south. The phone call, the comment, which is funny only in retrospect, that the idea of going out with you doesn't repulse me. The conclusion, I don't think you should move here. After we hung up, I laid down on a bed and cried, sobbed uncontrollably, uncontrollably until my tear ducts shriveled up, I'm convinced. And that was a defining moment for me. All of a sudden, I was heading in one direction and there was a roadblock. And I had to suddenly change direction. And it was a shock to my system. At the time, it was so painful. I felt confused, helpless, lost, spent. Today, I am so thankful. <laughs> The events of Passion Week have provided a defining moment for billions of people. As you hear Luke's narrative, listen not only with your ears, but listen with your heart. Open yourself to however these events might further define you and transform your life. I invite Jordan Euler to come and introduce our passion reading. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, 
My heart is very sorrowful. Sit here while I go pray. And going a little farther into the garden, he fell to his knees and prayed. My father, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. When Jesus got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, 
Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, No, more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour later, yet another kept insisting, Surely this man was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him and beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? They kept heaping many other insults on him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, gathered together, and they brought him to their council. They said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. He replied, If I tell you, you will not believe, and if I question you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. All of them asked, Are you then the Son of God? He said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? 
We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, where he began, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction. And he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time. Because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then they put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people. And here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why, what evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed over Jesus as they wished. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Serena, who was coming from the country. 
And they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with Jesus. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there, kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when we come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breast. 
But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph, who, through a member of the council, had not agreed to their plan and action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea, and he was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Here ends the reading. After days like that, a restful Sabbath would come as a welcome relief when Jesus' exhausted followers could mourn in peace. Perhaps they spent that Sabbath reflecting on what they had seen and heard and felt and what it all meant for their future. Just days prior, so many had welcomed their leader into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Those en route with him had shouted, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And those Pharisees then said, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would cry out, would shout out. Now the followers' lives are shrouded in dark clouds, and they don't know what to shout. Do we? Have the events of Jesus' last days transformed us in any noticeable way? As Jesus' disciples, I invite us to think, what happens when we are silent about that? If we are silent, will the stones cry out? If we are silent, will the children's voices be heard? If we are silent, will any of the four and a half million Virginians who have never accepted Christ as their Lord ever do so? If we are silent, will our friends ever know the meaning of divine peace? If we are silent, what? Let us go away from here thoughtfully, but not silently. I invite each of us to open ourselves to the God who speaks the language of love and fulfillment and then to open ourselves to others. Mm 